0: Stuck. You guys ever been stuck somewhere? Oh my goodness. Well, we won't get into the serious stuff just yet. I mean, I got so many stories about being stuck like in real life. Uh, When I was in high school, um, I've talked a lot over the years about this Chevy Blazer that I owned in high school. And it was like a 1990 Chevy S10 Blazer. Anybody remember loving that truck? Because I do. Uh, That was a great truck. Uh, And I got like 10 stories to go just like this one. Okay. So, but this man, I was stuck. I drove that truck so hard. Like I drove that thing into the ground. Like, I actually drove it one time into the ground. One time, um, anybody else a redneck? <laughs> okay, maybe that's just me. Uh, I got a little bit of redneck in me. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of my best stories start like this. Say I won't. <laughs> and that's just like, that's how it goes. And so, uh, we used to do this thing uh, in high school, uh, mud Yeah. It's so we take a perfectly good car and then you, you ruin it in the mud. That's exactly what it's for. Uh, there's another story about how my dad fussed me for that, but, um, so one day we were out behind this big cornfield, uh, me and my buddy Kyle, and he had a big old uh, Jeep Wagoneer, this thing could do anything, giant truck, and so we, uh, we went out behind this cornfield, we were slinging mud, man, until suddenly, I ain't moving, I'm stuck, and I, I had bottomed out both axles on my four-wheel drive truck, I'm just stuck there, so my friend's like, I got a rope, so he hooks up his rope, brrr, digs himself in. And so where, where we are, two like wannabe rednecks, and we're out behind this cornfield, miles from anywhere, what do we do? So we tried everything, We did the rocket back and forth method, you know, we did the find some sticks and shove it under the wheels, because that totally works, method, and, uh, and I, I mean, I just, there was nothing. So uh, luckily we had a third guy with us, we, we rode into town, I had to go tell my dad. My dad taught me something that day that I did not previously know, this is just, this is free, this is not connected to the lesson, this was free information. The only way to get a redneck out of trouble is to find a bigger redneck. And so, my dad had this buddy, uh, no lie, his name was Al, and he was the biggest redneck I've ever met. And uh, like, for real, he's like six foot five, he weighed like 375 pounds, he looked just like Stone Cold Steve Austin. And uh, Al's not a farmer, but Al had a tractor. And so, Al, what Al does is he, he gets on his tractor, and he rides his tractor five miles, like from his house, just riding down the street with the tractor, and he comes and he, and he yanks, and yanks my truck right out of the mud. Man, you ever been stuck? We're starting a new series today called Stuck, and it almost doesn't need any explanation, does it? Uh, This subtitle, Finding Keys to Freedom, man. uh, And so there's so many different areas this could could go. We're going to spend the next month looking at God's Word and saying, what does it mean for God to enter into our lives and help us to move forward? And take these next steps. Uh, and, and I think maybe a lot of us have been stuck literally, like I was in my truck in one way or the other. Uh, there's this literal stuckness. Maybe, uh, do you remember the Chilean miner disaster back in 2010? Uh, 33 men were trapped underground in a mine, over 2,000 feet underground. Uh, a mine shaft had collapsed. And man, these guys, it was, it was, it was international news and they were stuck do you remember 1986? This was before uh, national news. And do you remember baby Jessica? Anybody? Poor little girl. She had fallen down this little pipe, and she was 22 feet underground. She was stuck for like two days. I think uh, she basically began the phenomenon of national news. And, um, and you can look up online. I think she's uh, doing all right now. So... Um, she was, she was stuck. There was a guy in 2003, maybe you, there was a movie made about this. Maybe you heard it in the news. A guy who was hiking in some canyons and he got his, his arm stuck under a boulder. This guy was stuck, stuck under a boulder for 127 hours. And I won't be too graphic, but the only way he got out was with his pocket knife. He had to make some drastic decisions. Yeah, he was stuck. Being stuck is no fun because when you're in that moment, you're like, Where do, how do I move forward? How do I get out of this? And some moments are easier than others, but outside of these literal moments, I think there's a state of life that we find ourselves in, probably more often than we'd like to admit, that we would just call stuck. It could be a relationship that you're stuck in. You just don't know how to move forward. Like, man, what's, what's next? Is this okay for me? Is this going anywhere? What should I do? I'm stuck. Maybe financially, you felt stuck. We say this kind of stuff all the time. Strapped, uh, broke, uh, no, we can't go out to eat tonight. Well, let's go anyway. Like, and then you make it work, right? That That's... This financial stuckness, there's lots of ways. You can be emotionally stuck. Depression and anxiety and fear uh, can be crippling. I mean, they can hold us captive. This cage is very symbolic of the stuckness that sometimes we feel. We're like, I, and I can't move forward in this. There's, there's spiritual stuckness. I got questions about God. I got, th- what happens when I die? Like, I don't know. There's all these religions. Pfft, does it even matter? I'm stuck. And so this stuck feeling being so common it seems one of our deepest questions could probably be rephrased. How do I get unstuck? How do I move forward? How do I take next steps? Uh, if you've got a Bible today, I'd encourage you to grab one. We've got some free ones that we give away every week as a table as you leave the building today. Or feel free to uh, use an app on your phone. But we're going to be in, uh, for the, in John today, the book of John. If you want to flip over to John, it's one of the biographies of the life of Jesus And throughout this series of the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, different people throughout the book of John who uh, have conversations with Jesus, and they're stuck in various ways, and Jesus shows them a way to move forward out of it. Today we'll be in John chapter 3, and in John chapter 3, we meet meet a man named Nicodemus. And so he approaches Jesus to find out more about who he is, and isn't this how all kind of faith starts? Like you lean in. We're going to be leaning in a lot this morning. So you kind of lean in, and you're like, I I like what's happening over there with this philosophy, with this religion, with this faith, with these people, with this family, with this person. We lean in, and you're like, but before I take next steps... I want to see more of what it's about. So Nicodemus, he is one of these guys, and he shows up, uh, it's nighttime, and he walks up to Jesus wherever he was staying that night, and he's got questions, and Nicodemus is just looking for answers. And so as we start this stuck series today, that's kind of where I want to start, that's kind of an introduction. When you begin just realizing that you're stuck, one of the first things you want to do is ask questions, all right, what are my options? What could I do? How do I feel? How am I responding? So in John chapter 3, we're going to jump right in. We're going to meet this guy, Nicodemus. John 3, starting at verse 1. Read along with me. It's also on the screen behind me if you don't have it. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. All right, that's just the opener there. Before we get into Nicodemus's question, he kind of asked a, 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 a kind of a vague question that Jesus is going to hear as a question. He's going to answer it. But first, let's meet Nicodemus. And the first thing, the only thing we really know about Nicodemus is his title. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. We love a good hero versus nemesis story. That's what makes all almost all great movies, isn't it? Like there's got to be a, a great hero versus nemesis, even in real life. In World War II, you've got Winston Churchill and, and FDR versus Adolf Hitler and the powers of the Axis evil going on. Like the, this this conflict, Batman, he's got the Joker, Superman, he's got Lex Luther, good guy, bad guy. We like a battle between good and evil. And when you read the Jesus story, you get the impression that one of Jesus' biggest enemies, the bad guy, the was this group of people called the Pharisees. I, I had a teacher once who said that you should say it like Pharisees because they were just like shrewd and everyone was like always getting people's face so they were Pharisees. So it's easy as for us to kind of look at uh, uh, Nicodemus and see that he's a Pharisee and have some judgments about him. The Pharisees were very legalistic. They were always up in Jesus's grill trying to find out what he was about and catch him in some kind of uh, something and and, and make him look bad. And and I love Jesus because every encounter he has with a Pharisee, he's so cool about it and he's so diplomatic about it, but just by being himself and loving, he makes a Pharisee look like they know nothing (laughs) because he's just like, oh yeah, well, that's nice that you think about, but here's what I was thinking. And then the Pharisee's like, oh yeah. And then they have to walk away. Jesus, Jesus deals with these Pharisees on the various levels. So when you meet Nicodemus and you see that he's a Pharisee, if you've read much of the Bible, you look at that and you go, oh, he's a bad guy. He's the bad guy. But here's the thing. Not all Pharisees were bad. It's not fair, not, you know, God doesn't see us that way. He doesn't see us as Pharisees or or Sadducees, which are two political parties. He doesn't see us as Democrats or Republicans or Libertarians. He doesn't see us by the color of our skin. You're not black or white or Filipino. He doesn't see us that way. He says, well, all of you are my children. I love all of you. Each one of you has the equal opportunity to come and love me and be known by me. So Pharisee's not a a Nicodemus in the bag. He just comes to Jesus and he's got some questions. And Jesus leans in. He says, what's your question? How can I help you? So Nicodemus, the Pharisee, he starts out with a really honest question. He, and you just read, he says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. It doesn't seem like a question, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you're like, you got an extra cookie? Or more like, I see that you have an extra cookie. <laughs> you're really saying, what are you going to do with that cookie? Jesus, uh, we've seen what you've been doing. And... Uh, no one could be doing these types of things unless they're from God, so what you going to do with that cookie, right? He's questioning Jesus, who are you? Jesus had been doing miracles, and I think miracles are a hard thing to wrap our mind around. It's supernatural, and we don't, we don't see it every day. We don't like to, you know... It's kind of a weird feeling sometimes because maybe you've seen things on TV that you didn't really approve of, of people talking about miracles. and you just saw. Here's the thing about Jesus' miracles. Something incredible happened here. Jesus was performing miracles, supernatural things, amazing things, healing people, raising people from the dead, multiplying food, things, walking on water, and no one denied that he was doing miracles. Even his enemies, even the Pharisees, they weren't coming to him like, uh-uh, you know, uh-uh, you're not doing miracles. They were like, I mean, he's doing miracles. I'm just... I'm just not sure how he's doing miracles. And so Nicodemus, as one of these Pharisees, comes in and says, we see that you're doing these things, but what's the deal? And so Nicodemus is kind of at a starting point that I think we want to start us at this series today. This moment where we just we realize we have a step to make. We've, we've got a bridge to cross. We've got a fence to go over. We've got this moment we say, what am I going to do about this knowledge that I've got? I've got some questions, maybe for you, that has made you feel stuck. In fact, I think for Nicodemus, he was indeed stuck, and here's why. Because the Pharisees, they were part of their whole persona was that they thought they had everything figured out. If you know anything about the Pharisees, they got it figured out. They, they, were, uh, they were very legalistic. They thought they cornered the market on truth. Anyone that disagreed with them was just wrong, and they spent the majority of their time arguing to prove themselves right. And as a result, they would be really judgmental of other people, and they would outcast anybody who wasn't like them. And when Nicodemus realizes, as he's listening to Jesus over the last, I don't know how long he'd been listening to him, weeks, days, months, I don't know. But he hears Jesus, and he begins to lean in, and he's like, ah, that's different from what I think. Maybe I'm not right. Maybe I don't have it all figured out. Maybe there's more to God than just being right all the time. Maybe God's goal isn't for us to just be religious. Maybe there's something to this grace and love and humility piece that Jesus keeps talking about. But wait, if I can't be in control of everything, what do I do? This isn't a question that just a Pharisee would deal with. I think it's a question that all of us deal with when we try to do life without God. We say, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to figure it out my own way. I'm going to look for my own alternative. But wait, if I can't do it all by myself, what am I going to do? I got questions. I got doubts. I got unexplained stuff in my life. That's where so many of us start when we come to God. And, and I'm not talking about like, only if like, you've just been living so far from God for your whole life and like this is your first time ever thinking about God. I'm talking about everyone in this room. Even if you consider yourself super strong Christian. Even if you would call yourself religious or spiritual, we hit these moments in our life where we're like, I, I don't understand this next part. I don't know what's coming, and I can't answer the questions. What do I do? Who can I trust? Where do I go with my questions? And so what follows is a dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus that I believe is going to give us some keys for finding freedom in our stuckness. And I hope that, uh, remember when you were in, in high school and there was that, the, the custodian with the big key ring, and he had like 47 keys, and you're like, man, what? How many doors are there in this school? It seems like they can make them all the same key. But this guy's like jingle, jingle, sounding like a reindeer when he's walking through the hallways. He's got all these keys. I believe that God, uh, I want to make something very clear. There's only one key to connecting with God. That's Jesus. That's the only key. But I think throughout life, we need different little combinations, little things, but like, Look, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. And I think that God has given us a plethora of options on a key ring. So over the course of this series, I hope we collect a handful of keys. And so there are going to be two that we get into today. But we're going to find it by looking at this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. And so let's jump back into the text now. We're going to be in verse 3, uh, John chapter 3, verse 3. What you going to do with that cookie? You know, what's up with these miracles? Verse 3, Jesus replied, well, Very truly, I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus hears that and is like, okay, that's not what I asked you. Uh, Let's keep reading. Verse 4. Well, how can someone be born again when they're old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. That's weird. Nicodemus has got it figured out. Verse 5, Jesus says, all right, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying this, that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. All right, if you just read this and you completely understand what Jesus just said, you're dismissed. Because I look at this and I've, I've... Preached this passage like five times, and I've studied it. And sometimes I even wrote that I'm like, I sometimes wish Jesus would just give straighter answers. Um, but what He's saying is actually not so coded and not so complicated. You just kind of be on Nicodemus's level and kind of and where Jesus was, and Jesus is going to explain some things here. But even Nicodemus here is like the rest of us. He's like, huh. I don't understand. And so what I want to do is take a couple minutes to unpack this. Um, There's two quick ideas in this passage that are going to help us understand the whole thing Jesus says. He talks about the kingdom of God, and he talks about being born again. Kingdom of God, born again. Let's let's, let's just explore those. First, the kingdom of God. When it comes to Jesus' teaching, there's one thing that you can expect him to talk about, and that is the kingdom of God. His very first sermon. He says, turn to God. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is like very first words that we see uh, recorded of him in the Bible. And throughout his teaching, he just talks about the kingdom of God. He's constantly like, well, you know, the kingdom of God is like this farmer in a field. The kingdom of God is like these birds in the air. The kingdom of God is like this. He's explaining all these different facets of what the kingdom of God is. is Jesus' thrust, when he taught, was that mankind had strayed from God that was provide, and that Jesus was providing a way back to God. It was about how we treated people. It was about how we viewed God. It was about how our whole heart and humility and servant attitude was. This was the whole thing. And, and basically, he was saying, look, you, we, we've gone off and built our own kingdoms. But God's kingdom is at hand. And you need to get with the program. And so then he spends three and a half years teaching about that and telling them what does it, it mean to be in the kingdom of God. And the idea is that God is establishing a new kingdom through Jesus. Jesus is going to be crowned as the king and returning to God is about living in that kingdom. Follow that? So when Jesus is about the kingdom of God, Nicodemus, if he's heard Jesus preach before, and he's going to hear him some later, I feel positive. He's like, oh, this is that kingdom of God stuff you've been talking about. Right? You follow? Okay, kingdom of God. Um, this was a totally different narrative than what Nicodemus was living in because for Nicodemus and for many people honoring God is not about the stuff Jesus was talking about it's not about uh, it's not about a a, a gentle heart it's not about servant mindset it's not about loving it's not about grace for many people as we approach God it's about and I'll use a word that means a lot of things it's about religion it's about what can I do to be good with God like so like if I come to church enough times like we're good like, I did this thing over here, but if I come to church enough times, oh, man, I've been real bad. Maybe I should join a small group, you know? And, so, and that's religion. Religion is this thing, like, God's up here, and I'm climbing this ladder, and I'm building a ladder to get to him. That's religion. I've talked about religion a handful of times, but when Jesus comes, he says, listen, I, I didn't come here to establish a religion. I came here to build a kingdom and to show you what it means to live for the king. And so this is entirely different than, le- than this legalistic mindset that Nicodemus has been living in. Wait, I I thought it was about keeping the rules. I thought it was about staying separate from people who weren't like me. I thought it was about, you know, isolating those people who I deem as sinful. So it shakes Nicodemus up a little bit. So that's the kingdom of God. I said there were two phrases. The second one is born again. Um, Christians have been known as born again believers. It's kind of been a nickname through the years. And it comes from this passage. And so what does it mean to be born again? I like Jesus' statement. He actually explains it himself a little bit in verse 6. Actually, starting at verse 5. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by me saying that you must be born again. What does that mean? Well, like, okay, we all know that a puppy comes from a dog. You with me? Kitty comes from a cat. Piglet comes from a pig. Human baby comes from human parents. Jesus says, The Spirit has to be born of the Spirit. Flesh is born of flesh, but the Spirit is born of Spirit. He's saying, look, the kingdom of God is at its core, it's a spiritual kingdom. If you want to be part of this spiritual kingdom, you've got to engage in spiritual things. Earthly kingdoms are about boundaries and and budgets and economies and and parades and armies. That's what an earthly kingdom is about. Jesus said, "I'm I'm not here for your earthly kingdom. I'm here for a spiritual kingdom. So if you want to be part of this kingdom, you need to be born spiritually into this kingdom. You need to begin to renew what your soul is about. This is a a kingdom of souls, not a kingdom of, of bodies. So he says flesh gives birth to flesh. but The spirit gives birth to the spirit. And if you want to see the kingdom of God, you've got to be spiritually born into the kingdom of God. In another place, we're told that when we choose to live for Jesus, we become citizens of heaven. I love that language. Because there's this concept that God's doing something completely different. I'm not going to be restrained by borders, by national creeds, by ethnicity, by language. We are connected by my Holy Spirit across the entire world. That's why all the time I I want to say that our church is not about our church. We're about one king and one kingdom. Christians all over the world are part of this one kingdom, serving one king. And so if you want to be part of that kingdom, you've got to be spiritually Restart it you got to be born again born spiritually from God and, and so in this conversation we're going to get back to Nicodemus in a second but we're stuck we're looking for keys to freedom and Jesus is about to lay down I am the key to that freedom you want to be born into the kingdom of God you need to know me you need to live for me you need to do some things um, a few years ago I was staying in a, in a hotel and some stuff had happened messed up my reservation I was with some buddies at an event and so a bunch of us in the same hotel and uh, because they messed up my reservation, they upgraded me to the executive level. Yeah, so it's like you know, I got this special card, and when you go in the elevator, you've been in that elevator where you're like, "What's on the twenty fifth floor?" Oh, it doesn't work. No, you got to have the special card. Then it works. Okay, so it gives me cards like you can go up there, and up there there's like uh, you know, private pool, butlers, they're handing out bacon on trays. You get a free mink coat. It wasn't that night. It was a fruit basket, though. It was, at least it was a fruit basket. And so anyway, you know, get this key. And, and this is the executive level. So I'm there. And my buddies are there. And I'm like, hey, you guys want to go to the executive level? Like, we got like, a hot tub. Like, none of the regular scum are in this hot tub. This is only those of us who have the special cards. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. So we go up, and we're like, you know, pretending we're important. Um, the kingdom of God kind of works like this. God has this whole next level. All right. It's really available to anyone but you can't get in without the key. You can't it's you can't just go. And Jesus says, "I'm I'm the key." Jesus says, "Hey Nicodemus, I know that you got questions, but if you'd like, I could show you all the answers. I could show you the executive level. I could get you in. In fact, I could get you your own key. But not just yet. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you got to be born again." It's kind of an ethereal, deep philosophical thought, something we can all wrestle with. But as we kind of unpack the rest of it, we're in this series called Stuck. And that's exactly how we feel when we hit these big questions about God, about life. What do I do? Where do I go? Where do I turn? This is why Nicodemus comes to Jesus under the cover of night. I don't think it was a mistake or a coincidence that it was nighttime that John mentions that. I'll get back to that in a second. He comes to simply say, can you just show me what you're all about? I feel like you've got answers. Can you just show me? If you're so great and you're so powerful, God, what are you going to do about all this? Isn't that the question a lot of us ask a lot of times? You watch the news, you see what's happening in the world. God, what are you going to do about all this? Well, when I was in my hotel, I got my buddies on the 20th floor because I had the key. And Jesus says, Guess what? I know a little something about being born from above. I know about something about being born again, being spiritually born. I'm God in the flesh. I'm the key. Man, listen to this. This is the key to all of us who have questions. Uh, Verse 13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is talking about himself here. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. That's a story from the Old Testament that Nicodemus totally would have gotten. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness... The Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. And it's right here in this conversation that we see what might be the most famous verse in the whole Bible. You see it on big poster boards up at football games and stuff. John 3, 16 is next. For God, He loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When we're stuck in our mud, and we throw up our hands, and we say, God, what are you going to do about all this? Well, God said, I became a man. I came to live a human life. And I came to show the whole world the way back to God. That's the main thing I've done about this. And you know what you can do? You can be born again. You you can accept that story for yourself. You can begin sharing it with other people. If you've ever lost your your wallet or your car keys, uh, you know the first question someone's going to ask you is, anybody know? Where's the last place you saw it? And to them, I want to be like, shut up. Like, if I knew where the last place it was, was. But it's a good question, isn't it? simultaneously like the worst question in the bed, Because you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you're like out in your car digging for your wallet, but it's in the kitchen, you're not going to find it. And so, so often, we go looking for the questions to life, answers to life's biggest questions. And we go looking in the wrong place. We're digging in our car when it's in the kitchen, And Jesus says, you got questions, I get answers, but before we can get into all that, you got to come to the right place, Come be a part of my kingdom, Come be a part of what I'm doing. And Jesus says, if you want to know what God's up to, you need to become part of his kingdom. You want to see it? I came from there. I got a key, and I know the way back, but start learning about me. Our goal in this series is to dig into these stories and find some practical keys for getting unstuck. And I said we'd be filling up our key ring a little bit this morning with two keys. Two two keys. We're going to wrap it up here, actually. We're getting some keys. The first one is this. I say it all the time. Choose a king. Choose a king. Whose kingdom are you living in? So often I'm living in my own kingdom. Man, if I could just build these walls higher and get more guitars to hang on my walls that I'm not going to play because I've only got two hands. If I could get more tools in my shed to build stuff that I really don't need. If we could have more of this, more of that. If I could have more money in my bank account or a better job. And none of that's bad, is it? But whose kingdom are you building? Last week, we had two people after our Easter service. We headed down to Carolina Beach and... Eddie Coggin and Kalia Sue um, gave their life to Jesus. They were baptized in the ocean. They said, I'm tired of building my own kingdom. I want to be about Jesus' kingdom. And as we look through Scripture, when people make this decision to live for Jesus, part of this born-again thing we read all over the Bible, Romans chapter 6 is one place that says that when we have been baptized with Christ, we've lived lived our old self, left our old self in the watery grave, but we rise to walk in a newness of life. That's a birth. And the rebirthing process happens while we're being baptized. It happens every time we're like, I need to reset my mind on Jesus. It happens every time we go to God and say, listen, I'm I, I just I'm ready to start over. But we gotta start by saying, whose kingdom am I building? First key, are you stuck? Choose a king. Choose a king because you can be stuck in a lot of things in life. But if, you, if, if, if you're serving a powerless king, you will never get out. You'll never get out. It's not about getting it right all the time. You can live in the kingdom of God and make mistakes. Believe me. <laughs> but it's about saying, look, even in my mistakes, I know who my king is. Second key. Uh, is it's a stronger key. It's sometimes we actually uh, we have to do this continually. If you're like me, you've chosen the king, but every now and then you're kind of like, can I climb up in the throne? I just want to see what it's like. And we like build our own stuff, and then I got to get taken down out of that throne every now and then. So the second key uh, is simple. And it's actually the, the last part of this passage in verse 19. But the second key is this come into the light, come into the light. When we are living in darkness or when we're living in questions, questions can feel dark sometimes. We're living in a stuck period of time. The best thing we can do is drag all that mess into the light. The light is a, is a metaphor used all throughout the book of John and all throughout the Bible of Jesus. He was the light who came into the world to shine into the darkness of our circumstances. And so often, like, what am I going to do with this? And Jesus' is like, well, have you drug it out before me yet? Like, have you spent any time trying to show this to me? Maybe it's a sin, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a pain. I know, I see it, but dragging it to the light. Let's just listen to this in verse 19. I love the way it starts. It says, this is the verdict. Verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. Isn't that what happens when like, I mean, we do this as adults, but as kids, you got the whole hand in the cookie jar moment, chocolate all over the mouth. Did you eat a cookie? No. <laughs> we, we hide because we're afraid that if our, our mistakes or our pains or our questions are exposed, what's going to happen? I don't know. Ah, no, I didn't eat a cookie. But Jesus says, look, just bring it into the light. Anyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But verse 21, "Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light." So that this is, this is one of the most like convicting verses for me uh, uh, in a while, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God." Did you know you've got permission to fail? I try to let my kids know that I know they're going to mess up, but as a parent, I want my home to be the safest place for them to fail. Because if they go out there where nobody cares about them and they fail, it's not going to go well. But if they fail right in my house, right in my very presence, sometimes right in front of my face, yeah, there's going to be maybe some some consequences, but you know what? I saw the whole thing, and I can help you through it. And God says, look, if you live by the truth and you come into the light, It'll be seen plainly that what you have done has been done before God. What's funny is He knows anyway. But He's like, why are you hiding? Just bring it into the light. You ever take some some, some uh, moldy nasty something, a blanket, or, and you lay it out in the sunshine, and it just kills the mold. And that's what the light does. It just exposes it and it purifies it, and it gives us a fresh start. God already knows what makes us stuck. And he's given us a way out of it. He's given us some keys. He said, choose me as your king live in my kingdom. I love that Jesus talks about the light, but I also love that he is the light. He came into the world to shine light into the darkness. And in John chapter 1, it says, the light has shined into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. To this day, light always wins. What are the things that keep you climbing into the throne? What are the things that keep you getting in the way of serving God? What are the things that for you are just big questions? You, maybe you're like, I'm not a bad person. I just got a lot of questions. What are those questions? Don't be afraid to ask them. God's got answers for the questions that we, that we have. Maybe like Nicodemus, it is just questions. And I love that even though Nicodemus came at night, he drug his questions into the light of Jesus. And so maybe you feel like you're in a bit of a night or a fog sometimes with different phases of your life. Is it a failure or a sin that you're dealing with? Is it an addiction, a pain? Lay it all in front of Jesus. Pray about it to him. Worship him in it. Seek him. Lean in. Maybe you've got a lot of questions before you can even start turning to Jesus. Do like Nicodemus. Talk to a friend about it. Go to a Christian counselor. Like, all these things are really good. I, I love this part. It says, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. This is just an intro to our stuck series, and this is just a taste of what it means to say. You know what? There is freedom in all of this. What I want to encourage us to do is not leave this place and and say, "Okay, okay." We talked about light and darkness again. We talk about that a lot at our church. No, say, what are the shadowy corners of my life? The places where I feel uncertain and the places where I have doubt. Let me drag that into the light. Maybe for you, it says that you want to take a step into the kingdom. I want to let you know we are ready to have those conversations. We got a few of our elders with us here today. If, if after uh, the teaching time, you want to, during the song, just go and talk to somebody and pray about that, they can help you uh, find that direction. Maybe you're ready to give your life to Jesus in, in baptism. Man, the ocean is colder now than it was last weekend. But we can find a nice, warm, indoor pool somewhere, and we can start that, that fresh journey today. I hope you got your key ring with you, and I hope you'll take these first two keys. Choose a king, come into the light, hang that on your belt loop, don't lose it. We're going to collect some more as we continue this series. I'd love to pray for us this morning. God, we love you, and we thank you for giving us the ability to walk in your light, your goodness, your truth, and I just pray that um, that you'll give us uh, the dedication to just do it, Lord, if there's anyone in this room today who's just looking for answers, like Nicodemus, Lord, I'm so glad that they were here. And I just pray that you make this a place um, where they can explore and learn more about you. And Lord, as we go into this next time, we're just celebrating your love. We give this all to you as a, an act of worship. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.